So today, we'll be asking the question, what does it mean for a congregational church um, to be Christ-centered? So what does it mean to you to be Christ-centered? Don't be shy. Don't be shy. What does it mean to be Christ-centered to us? Relationship with God, thank you. Uh, similar to that, to you know, go about your day-to-day with, with the, you know, about for answering with the same question with, with God sent in your heart and making decisions based on that. Yeah, thank you. Making decisions based on God living in your heart, thank you. It means to live a Christ-like life. You know, the life Christ lived when he was on earth, to live like him, sent an example like Christ. That's what it means. Having the mind of Christ itself. Yeah, that's it. Thank you. Living a Christ-like life, having the mind of Christ. Excellent. We're off to a good start, aren't we? Yeah. Putting him, putting him first in everything. Brilliant. Putting him first in everything. Thank you. It means that when I wake up in the morning, I believe in him. And when I go back to bed in the evening, I believe in him. Belief. Belief in him from the beginning to the end. Thank you. Excellent. It's good to see that, you're, that we are getting used to congregational participation. It's really great. It just uh, warms us up, doesn't it? Gets us thinking, which is good. So um, I'd just like to give some examples um, of congregationalism. So the origins of congregationalism are in the Protestant Reformation in England and Wales. We are a congregational church here at North Street Church. Congregationalism took seriously the Reformation doctrine of the priesthood of all believers. You may have heard of that. Affirming that neither priest nor a ruler can insert themselves between the believer and God. Congregationalism sought to practice a pattern of church government that most accurately resembled the New Testament. You with me so far? Yeah, Yeah, you're going to have to have your brain switched on this morning. So, in England and Wales, conformity to the Church of England was required and enforced by law. However, in England in 1582, the radical thinker and clergyman and school teacher Robert Brown wrote a pamphlet arguing about the need for reform in the Church of England. He formed an independent church on congregational principles in Norwich, and his followers became known as Brownists and they helped to birth Congregationalism. In Wales, John Perry, Henry Barrow, and John Greenwood were proclaiming the same message, and they were tried on charges of sedition because the monarch was the head of the church. Any criticism of the church was counted as treason, and they were treated as rebels who were inciting the people to dissidence. They were hanged in 1593 for their belief in the need for radical reformation in the church. They had argued for the separation of church and state in the pursuit of a purer expression of church. The followers of these martyrs became known as separatists. You may have heard of them. 
And they were forced to worship secretly in barns or in fields for fear of arrest. Their worship was charismatic and the preaching and praying was spirit-filled. Their faith in Jesus was at the center of their worship and central to their convictions. Passionate followers of Jesus willing to die for their faith. It's challenging, isn't it? But that's the heritage of the congregational church. And I didn't know this, but have you ever seen in cottages and in farmhouses, a door is, has two halves, a bottom half and a top half, and you can open the top half independently of the bottom half? Well, apparently, a stable, yeah, a stable door. Stable door, thank you. And um, I found out that that was really useful to the to the congregationalists because they would preach from the house, from the door, with the top part open, and then when the authorities came to arrest them, they could quickly close the top part of the door and make their escape. <laughs> I will never look at doors in the same way that are in two halves. Good idea. Good idea. So let's think about um, what we need to know about the passage now. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Although that is a profound statement for us, it would have been exceptionally meaningful to the Jews who heard him say this, because Jesus took three of the great basic concepts of practicing Judaism and made a phenomenal claim that it is in him alone that all three of these concepts find their fulfillment. Let's examine that now. Firstly, Jesus is the way. He is the way. To the Jews who were practicing their faith, walking in the way of God was an essential expression of obedience. Through Moses, the Lord instructed the congregation to stay on the path that the Lord had commanded them to follow. And then they would live long and prosperous lives in the land they would inherit. That's from Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 23. Walking along the path of God's way is a prominent theme in Scripture. Moses was anxious that after his death, the people would become corrupted and turn aside from obeying God's law and following his way. And the prophet Isaiah spoke about the necessity for God's people to hear his voice, being directed by him and walking in the way of holiness. The psalmist's prayer is, teach me your way, Lord, lead me in a straight path. Psalm 27, verse 11. In Judaism, following the way of the Lord was very important. And here we have Jesus declaring that he is the way. Have you ever been lost and asked a stranger for directions? Yes. yes. And the directions you received did not fill you with much confidence. It didn't fill you with confidence that you were going to make it and reach your destination. 
Imagine if, rather than trying to interpret complicated instructions, that person says to you, come with me, I'll take you there. That person becomes for us the way to our destination. That is what Jesus does for us. He does not only give us guidance and direction, but he also takes us by the hand and leads us. He does not just tell us about the way, he is the way. As the way, Jesus is our path to the Father. Secondly, Jesus is the truth. Again, the psalmist's prayer is, teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may live according to your truth. Grant me purity of heart so that I may honour you. Psalm 86, verse 11. Many people have revealed specific truths about specific topics, but nobody, nobody except Jesus has ever embodied the truth. Certain spheres of study, such as maths, science, or English, don't require the teacher to embody the subject. However, if someone proposes to teach about moral law, the teacher's character makes all the difference in the world. Moral truth cannot solely be conveyed by words alone. But moral truth must be conveyed by example. Many teachers could argue that they have taught the truth. But only Jesus could say, I am the truth. As the truth, Jesus is the reality of all of God's promises to us. Thirdly, Jesus is the life. In John's gospel, Jesus prays for his people. He prays that they would be one with each other, which would reflect the oneness of love between him and the Father. John 15, verse 5. In order that the world would look and see that Jesus truly is the way to God, the truth of God, and the life in God, for all to be authentically experienced, available to all. The Victorian poet and playwright Robert Browning said of two people who were fallen in love, one says, I never knew what life was until I saw it in your eyes. It's very romantic. In my sermons, I often mention the Apostle Paul's words in his epistles, because at the heart of his letters is the desire that God's people would know and love Jesus. They would know and love Jesus and see each other, one another, through his eyes of love. As the life, Jesus shares his divine life with his people. 
with us. I know I've not done justice to that passage, but hopefully it's got us thinking. In the early church, the Christians were originally called the followers of the way. And to this day, congregationalists still use the term the congregational way. Being congregational means to belong to a community of believers who have made a commitment to follow Christ and to walk together with his people in his ways. Are you with me? Being congregational means to belong to a covenanted group of believers who have committed themselves to Christ and to one another. It means walking together in the way of Jesus and trusting in him and being dependent upon his spirit and his word to help us grow into his likeness. Jesus Christ should be at the center of every congregational church and he definitely should be at the center of North Street Church, our church, our church community. Are you with me? Yeah. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Gospel of John chapter 15 verse 5. We cannot bear fruit unless Jesus is at the center of our lives. You may at times have thought, especially with the pandemic, church can feel like a tough place to be. I have my faith in Jesus. Why should I go to church? Jesus is the true vine and we are the branches that get nourishment and power from him. If we detach ourselves from our church, it will be very, very difficult to produce fruit and to continue to grow because we need each other to become who Jesus is calling us to be. We need each other. Jesus doesn't want us to journey alone when walking in his way. Jesus wants his followers to travel together, travel together in this pilgrimage of life. So, what do we need to do? In congregationalism, there is a commitment to love and care for fellow members, love and care for each other, and encourage each other, spurring one another on to outdo each other in loving service. When our teaching is Christ-centered and our relationships are Christ-centered, we will grow, we will grow in love, grace, and faith, and experience more of God's presence in our lives. I want that. Do you? Yes. yes. Yes, we want more of God's love, grace, and faith in him, don't we? So what do we need to do to express the church of Christ in Taunton? 
Firstly, being a Christ-centered congregational church means that our teaching is rooted in Jesus' teaching. Jesus teaches us to love God and to love people. From the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22, verse 37. Jesus shows us the depths of God's love for us and his mercy and commitment to us all. We completely rely on Jesus' teaching in order to live for him. And experience fulfilling lives through practicing what Jesus teaches us about living as his disciples. Jesus didn't just show us the way to God. Jesus reveals that he is the way to God. Jesus didn't just teach us about the truth about God, but he embodied the truth. And Jesus didn't just keep his life for himself, but he shared his divine life with you and with me. The objective at North Street Church is to inspire each other to have a passion for Jesus and his teaching. That's our objective, to inspire each other in this journey of faith. Our calling is to enable each other to grow in love for Jesus and to understand his teaching because he is calling us not only to be hearers of his word, but doers of his word. The Christ-centered congregational church enables people to learn about Jesus and put his teachings into practice. Practice. As we learn more about Jesus and as our thinking is challenged and as our perspectives change, we start to think differently and we start acting differently and we find ourselves being transformed through the power of the Holy Spirit into the likeness and into the image of Jesus himself. Being a congregational church means being Christ-centered. Secondly, being a Christ-centered congregational church means that we are loving towards each other inside the church. Jesus says, for where two or three gather in my name as my followers, I am there among them. Being a Christ-centered church means that we are loving towards each other. But what does it mean? What does it mean that Jesus is present among a group of his people? What does that look like? I have a story to share with you about what that looks like. This is the story of John Smith and not the beer man. This is a story about John Smith, the missionary who was sent on mission to Guyana in the 19th century. He was the minister of a congregational church which was attended by African slaves as well as by free Europeans. Because it was congregational, membership was open to everybody. 
and slaves were also entitled to join the church and become members, which meant they had equality. They had equality within the congregational church and within the congregation. At that time and in that brutal context, slaves could take positions of leadership within the church and acquire new skills such as reading and writing. John Smith and the congregation belonged to a movement for freedom for slaves, which eventually led to the end of slavery in the Caribbean. John Smith was imprisoned and condemned to death as a revolutionary, and sadly, he died just before his reprieve came from London. That's what it means to be congregational, liberation and freedom for all people, equality amongst us. As we see from this historic example, congregationalism was rooted in the doctrine of the priesthood of all believers. I mentioned that at the beginning. Meaning that in the congregational way of being church, there is no room, no room for inequality. No room. Everybody can contribute significantly and wholeheartedly to the life of the church. Being a Christ-centered congregational church means that we see each other through the eyes of Jesus. When I look at you, I see Jesus. And when you look at me, you see Jesus. And we do that. We see Jesus in each other because he is at the center of our lives, living in our hearts. Being from a dissenting tradition, congregationalism is rooted in the strong belief of the importance of having a prophetic voice in society and challenging national and local policies when they fail to support justice and equality and generosity for all people. Congregational churches are autonomous, meaning, meaning there is no submission to a higher authority except to the highest authority, Jesus Christ. I'm the pastor here, but in no way am I above anybody else. We are all equals as a priesthood of believers. Isn't that good? That's good, isn't it? Thirdly and finally, being a Christ-centered congregational church means that we are loving towards people outside the church. Jesus was a friend to people who were socially unacceptable, the outcast and the rejected, and those who were branded as sinners. But time and time again, Jesus offered his love and grace to all, especially those who were despised by others. Jesus probably spent more time with people outside the religious system as he did with those people in it. 
Christ-centered churches welcome people from outside the church, even those who are wounded, even those who are hurting, and actively encourages new people to visit. We should be inviting people to come. Invite people to visit and experience Jesus for themselves. Members of Christ-centered churches do not just go to church looking for a service so they can be served. They go to church ready and willing to serve others because that's what Jesus did. He loved and served others and it cost him everything, everything. The Christ-centered church serves others like Jesus did, showing love in the ways they reach out to the community. And that's our task, that's our mandate, showing love to each other inside the church and showing love to those outside the church. So, I've thrown a lot at us this morning. Let's finish with the question, what does it mean to be a congregational church? Being a congregational church means being Christ-centered. Christ-centered. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to trust in you and follow you. Thank you that you are the way the truth and the life. And we come to the Father through you. Thank you that you teach us to love you and to love each other. And I pray for each one of us here that you will help us to see each other through your loving eyes. May we see each other through your loving eyes and be Holy Spirit filled with you, Jesus, at the center of who we are as we seek to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen.